to the podcast of, you've guessed it, you know it, folks. It's Do You Know the Mob? I'm your co-host, Sam Yulbren, and uh, I might be far in distance, but I'm back in the Eastern Time Zone with my one and my only partner in crime. Brandon Ellis, folks. We are in the same time zone. I just reached into Eastern Time today, Brandon, so that means I have lost an hour of my life. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll well, get it back. So richer for it, Sam. I always get it back. I always get revenge <laughs> in this life or the next. <laughs> oh, that's a good turn. Brandon, I had a big event this morning. We went to get our marriage license, and oh. uh, we naively of me we go downtown columbia tennessee to the, to the circle the square and uh, a square you'll see soon brandon and we go to the courthouse because i assumed that's where you go get your marriage certificate apparently that's not always the case so we walk in and my bride-to-be sees a police officer and asks him sir is this where we get our marriage license and he goes no this is where you come to get divorced. Don't you do not want to be here? <laughs> he's like, he's like, go across the street, go, leave here. <laughs> so uh, we went to the exact opposite of what we were going for. Nope, this is where you get the divorce. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, that couldn't have been uh, more opposite of what we were uh, gunning for today. <laughs> Haven't even oh, gotten married man. yet. That's pretty funny. I'm just proud you showed up with your bride to be because when I tried to get my marriage license, I did not bring my fiance. <laughs> I just thought I could do it by myself. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you got to have uh, both parties there. <laughs> I can't understand this, why. This guy, Mr. Ellis, is just claiming he found a wife. He, I don't know if she knows it. I, it sounds like against her will to me. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I don't know if she wants to agree to that. It's quite yet. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I made a mistake. I um, accidentally, you're supposed to put your parents' state they were born in, and uh, at least the state of Tennessee says that. And so I put my mom, Indiana, and then my dad, I put Michigan, and I forgot he was technically born Ohio. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I know. So I was like, do I change it? And my mom said, well, it's just going to mess up with the ancestry someday when your great grandkids are trying to figure out things. They're they're going to get a little confused on your dad. <laughs> like, so. I know our great great grandpa had this podcast about history, but he could not figure out his own ancestry for his dad. <laughs> well, my dad is a huge Michigan Wolverine fan, so we'll never let him live it down that he was actually born Ohio, Ohio State land. Yeah, it, a past he likes to shot, hide away from anyway, so I might have done him a favor. <laughs> I can relate to that. I can understand that. That's, That's right, you do, Mr. Texas. <laughs> the, the passport says the state. <laughs> well, uh, Brandon, we're going to do an exciting one today. Uh, spy guy. Spy guy always coming through for us. Spy guy. He uh, sent us a good, a good, in, a good one. Uh, it's, we're going to do Bill Pohl, a.k.a. Bill the Butcher. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to get right into why he has that nickname. <laughs> I can't understand why. <laughs> oh, 
It's more more than ways than one. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> so this might be uh we've done some old ones. He's gonna be up there. He's one of the, the earliest in the uh the mobster gangs. But uh Bill or William Pohl. Wait, hold on, Sam. Born- Are we yeah. skipping trivia tonight? Oh my goodness, Brandon. I see how do I we've done 60 episodes. And I still sometimes forget trivia. <laughs> I mean, oh. I'm okay with that because the last no, 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 one, no. I took an absolute trouncing. <laughs> you know what? I think you're going to get some of these because you're a history guy and I got a history one for you. All right. It's it's a little tough, but I think you'll knock out some of these. Okay. Lay it on me. Uh, Brandon, I want you to name the 10 oldest cities in America. Oh, the 10 oldest. you said one I'm going to know. Well, and I, I believe they're ones that still exist today. And, uh, you know, some of these I was I didn't realize. So give your best shot and I'll let you know how you do. And I was going to say my prep. My next question was going to be these are still continually inhabited cities, right? They didn't fade away like Rona, right? The, the, yeah, the ones I'm seeing uh, all are still cities today, I'm pretty sure. And uh, they're they're uh, the oldest, and uh, I would give you more hints, but I feel like you you've probably got some spinning in your wheelhouse already. So take it. Stop, it, Sam. I got you. Here we go, Sam. We got St. Augustine is the oldest continuing inhabited city in the United States, commonly United States. Let's go ahead and throw. Brandon, I just want to I just want to emphasize. Nobody usually knows that. <laughs> you just knocked that out right away. I think the year is 1588 off the top of my head, and that may be wrong, but I know it's pr- before 1600. Well, I don't even – I didn't put the year by it, so you just – you go on ahead. <laughs> so I'm going to throw St. Augustine. I think Jamestown technically is on that list. We'll find out in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to throw Plymouth because it's nearby, Plymouth-Salem area. That's my number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, I'm going to throw sh- – I'm going to throw – I'm gonna throw Charlestown down. Charlestown, okay. Charleston. It's called yep. Charlestown originally, I believe. Uh, my number five. I'm gonna put New York City down. It was New Amsterdam originally. Um, okay. I feel pretty good about that. For my number six, um, I'm doing my mental map in my head well, here right now. And some of these you might have to guess, but you've been doing well. Yeah. So I'm going to throw a new burn down in North Carolina as well for my number six. Okay. My number seven, I'm going to put down. I'm thinking of all the old cities around. I'm mm-hmm. going to throw down Boston just because mm. I feel like it, that's my safe answer because it may not be Plymouth or Salem. That's number still on my bucket list. Hey, there we go. Number eight. Um, there's got to be one in Rhode Island, or I'm thinking of. I'm going to throw Providence, even though I think it's wrong. Um, number nine. Hmm. Oh, Savannah. I don't know why I haven't said Savannah yet. Savannah. Savannah. And Savannah, Georgia. There's been a murder. And then number 10, let's just go ahead with... Um, I don't even know. I'm trying, to, I got this is hard. Number no, ten. Good. Just name two cities that you think are kind of older or been inhabited for a while. 
Well, I think I'm at number 10 now. So number, oh, my 10, bad, number 10. Let's go with um Oh my gosh, this is hard. Um You've done pretty well overall. Some of these will surprise you. Yeah, number 10, let's just go with I don't even know. Let's just go with uh San Diego. I'm gonna throw a West Coast one out there. Okay. Okay. So um we'll start from the top since you got some of those big ones. Number one is St. Augustine, Florida. And then you got number two, Jamestown, Virginia. So you knock those out. Number three is gonna surprise you. Santa Fe, New Mexico. Santa Fe. Oh yeah. yeah. I would right. not have guessed that. Yeah, until you start to really think about it. Um, you're right. I should have I didn't Well, I, I don't I know threw, if I'm right. I threw but San Diego out there, saying. but I should have said Santa Fe. No, you're good. You're in the right track. And then number four is Hampton, Virginia. And really? uh, mm -hmm. number five, I'm going to have trouble pronouncing, Brandon. I think it's Key Coakton, Virginia. And then number six is Newport News, Virginia. Uh, and, and then number seven, not quite New York City, but Albany, New York. Albany, New York. Really? Um, number eight, I thought you might get this one, Jersey City, New Jersey. Jersey City. Uh, number nine, I believe you got Plymouth, Massachusetts. I and did. then number 10 was Weymouth, Massachusetts. So good job, wow. man. There's a lot of cities out there. So that was that was I, tough. I had no idea that, that Norfolk area, that Newport area mm -hmm. was that old. Yeah, I guess if you think about like the the bay over there, uh yeah, Virginia Beach, New Norfolk, uh yeah, all that was uh pretty early on by colonists. So that makes sense. I'm about to get there's gonna I'm about to do some research. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Always fact check me too. <laughs> oh no, I no, believe you. Yeah. I'm just curious now. I want to well, hear the I'm history just, behind it. <laughs> I'm just glad you uh reminded me about trivia because that's just a staple to this podcast. Like we would have to stop doing the podcast if we skip trivia. That's just that's just <laughs> sinful. Like the uh if Jesus put the, if God put the eleventh commandment. Eleventh <laughs> commandment. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, when you're with a history major, you get people that want to look it up afterward. <laughs> oh yeah. I gotta know. Well, Brandon, we got some good history for you today. So William Pohl was born in New Jersey on July 24th, 1821. And he's English to English immigrants. So he was an immigrant from, from England. <laughs> um, 10 years later. His family relocated to New York City, and his father opened up a butcher shop. So this is the first reason he got the nickname Bill the Butcher, because he was uh, he helped his dad at the shop. He okay, also, yep, yep. But the more fun reason why he has the nickname, he also went by that because he was a bare knuckle boxer. Bare knuckle oh, boxer. Oh yes. That's right. Get those fists rolling like the old time, right? He enjoyed bashing his rivals until they resembled bloody cuts of meat. Oh, no. <laughs> he was a dirty fighter known for gouging his opponent's eyes out or chewing off their noses. Oh. <laughs> Talk about Mike Tyson before Mike Tyson. <laughs> oh, no. Bill's career as a butcher sharpened his knife-wielding skills as well. These skills and his boxing experience 
shaped him into the most well-regarded street fighters in the country. You know, I kind of do miss, I don't know if miss is the right word, but I do uh, wonder about those days where you were known uh, in your area for being a good boxer. There's just not as much of that these days, you know? <laughs> There's not that. You know, it's it's the era of the music artist, right? Well, yeah, for real. The hipsters in Asheville. <laughs> uh, which street corner? Who's playing the best banjo? <laughs> Oh um, man, honestly. I feel like there's a little there was a little bit of the boxing in back then in New York City, Cleveland, uh Philadelphia, but where you're from Brandon back in the day, I think it more had to do with who had the best uh, best shot. It was who was good at the mm. uh, the duel. That's that's what gave you the street cred. <laughs> yeah, I'd be able to shoot straight. Unfortunately, for these guys to get street cred meant someone got bad street cred or hurt really bad <laughs> or worse <laughs> guess Honestly. it's the risk you take yeah it's a risk you take so, in the game that's right that's right so bill went on to lead a group called the bowery boys they were anti-irish and anti-catholic street gang so that's very uh very prejudiced <laughs> yeah um a twofer there <laughs> this uh this gang operated from the crime infested and disease ridden five points neighborhood which we've mentioned before uh, is one of the country's most impoverished slums in America. Uh, like other street gangs, the Bowery Boys were not just a criminal organization. Their members belonged to poor, neglected neighborhoods, and they closed the gap, creating the lack of social services. Brandon, this is pretty funny because we've seen this before in other mobster things, but these gangs uh, gave members jobs, such as firefighting. Uh, so Bill became a firefighter and joined the Howard Fire Engine Company. Uh, the Dead Rabbits were the biggest rival gang of Irish hmm. members. They also ran fire brigades. The gangs uh, manifested even in firefighting jobs. If both groups were there at a scene of a fire, rival gangs would fight in the street and the flames would just rage on. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> um, so... If the Bowery Boys arrived at a fire and could not put it out, they would ensure that the dead rabbits couldn't either. So they would put a barrel on the closest fire hydrant and sit on it, preventing access. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you can't good. save the day, or if we can't save the day, you can't either. <laughs> it's not good. Um, yeah, this is like stuff you just can't make up. <laughs> oh. um, so the first half of the 19th century saw Europeans immigrating to the U.S. and hordes of people. Uh Brandon, you've probably heard this term, but many of the nativist Americans, they were second and third generation immigrants, I learned. So mm -hmm. they despised the new wave of immigrants, which I thought that was kind of ironic, if you will, because of ethnic reasons and economic reasons. So they felt these new immigrants were taking their jobs and economic opportunities, which would make them useless in the U.S., or they thought that would be the case. And also, most immigrants were Catholic while the new ones, or the sorry, the nativists, the nativists were Anglo-Saxon Protestants, so religious tension as well. So, and this will lead to our first history moment for me, Brandon. Uh, by the 1850s, more than half the population in New York City was Irish Catholic. So this wow. is where Tammany Hall becomes a big player. Can you explain to us about what that is exactly? Yeah, of course. And Sam, it's really interesting, kind of doing research for the show. That whole nativist idea kind of mm -hmm. popping up and it just kind of remind me nothing's new under the sun right so anyway oh, yeah 
Tammany Hall, like Sam said, was a New York City political organization that endured for nearly two centuries. Um, it originally formed in 1789 in opposition to the Federalist Party. Its leadership often mirrored that of the local Democratic Party's executive committee. But as years went by, like Sam was saying, Tammany Hall became known for kind of its charges of corruption le levied against leaders such as William M. Boss Tweed. Um, Tammany Hall was known for giving the spoils of office uh, for such as government jobs, contracts, and legislative favors, all exchanged for money paid in the party's coffers. Jobs were distributed to the party faithful, those who could deliver the votes of their neighborhoods on election day. The Tammany Hall boss also controlled nominations to elective offices, as well as appointments to administrative positions in the city government. So, you know, they kind of controlled how votes were going, who got the certain jobs, kind of working all around in the New York City area. Um, although its name was synonymous with corruption to many, Tammany Hall's popularity also endured because it resulted in its willingness to help the city's poor and immigrant populations. Kind of like Sam was saying, the 50% of the population being immigrants. Uh, that's a huge number. Um, and then because of Tammany Hall, we go into, uh, well, first off, the Dead Rabbits and the other Irish Catholic Street gangs had close links for to this, and they got voted by exchange of food and money. But we get into the Know Nothing Party. So, Brandon, can you tell us about the Know Nothing Party and how that's linked to Tammany Hall in New York City? Yeah, so it's really interesting, you know, again, that nativist idea of, you know, we got to watch out for people that are different than us. We got to form those barriers. Um, so the Know Nothing Party is also known as the American Party. Um, the Know Nothing Party was an outgrowth of the strong anti-immigrant and especially anti-Roman Catholic sentiment that started to manifest itself during the 1840s. A rising tide of immigrants, uh, primarily Germans and Irish, seemed to pose a threat to the economic and political security of native-born Protestant Americans. Um, at its height in the 1850s, the Know Nothing Party included more than 100 elected congressmen, eight governors, a controlling share of half a dozen states' legislation, legislatures, and thousands of local politicians. Party members supported deportation of foreign beggars and criminals, a 24 for a 20-year, tw sorry, a 21-year naturalization period for immigrants, mandatory Bible reading in school, and the elimination of all Catholics from public office. They wanted to restore their vision of what America should look like with temperance, Protestantism, self-reliance with American nationality and work ethic, enshrined the nation's highest values. Um, so these very big ideals of, okay, let's keep America what we think it should be. And like I was saying with all the numbers of elected officials, it was actually America's first major third party. And, and Brandon, then, you have to tell us how they got the name, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it, it's pretty interesting. So the name comes from when members were asked about their organization, they were supported. They were supposedly replied they knew nothing. <laughs> Hence the name. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's interesting. It's like, oh, that's that's where that comes from. That's pretty funny. So the reason we talk about all this, Brandon, is because Bill was one of the earliest leaders of the party, and he mm. was instrumental in getting members to vote against the Irish Catholics. Again, this is very racial. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Racist. So here's a key thing to remember. Bill's arch rival was John Morrissey, an Irish immigrant. Okay. 
and ah, a worker at okay and, and a worker at Tammany Hall. So like Bill, he was tall and a tough bare knuckle boxer. So they're very similar people, very similar influential people in their groups. He was also an immigrant runner for Tammany Hall and helped new immigrants become citizens and find jobs in exchange for their votes. So like you mentioned. Um, Interesting. Mm -hmm. And moreover, like Bill, he was a shoulder hitter on election days. He'd protect people from harassment, violence, and allow them to cast their votes peacefully, which is kind of like kind of neat in a way. I mean, it's sad that was even a thing, but that's kind of cool. Like people, I guess it's protect your own, but I. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It kind of reminded me, I was watching um, uh, the Free State of Jones and how uh, Matthew McConaughey walking up with the new newly freed slaves to cast their votes. <laughs> yeah. History repeats itself, you know? And, uh, of course, it was someone just like Matthew McConaughey, obviously. <laughs> oh, obviously. Just as good-looking. <laughs> so, um, in 1854, <laughs> the mayoral election, Bill and John stood against each other defending their respective voters from each other's meddling. The election saw the victory of the Tammany Hall candidate. In the same year, year Bill and John locked horns in an eagerly awaited boxing bout. Bill rained blows on John and won the match, but John's followers protested that some of Bill's supporters had assaulted John during the match. <clears throat> nonetheless, yeah, no, pretty, pretty interesting. So, nonetheless, the loss led to John starting his plot of payback. <laughs> mm. Of course. So, within a year of the boxing duel, John conspired with some members of the Dead Rabbits to kill Bill. Oh. Just like the movie. <laughs> uh, February 25th, 1855, Bill and John ran into each other at a New York City bar. Where else, right? Uh, Obviously. They threw insults at each other for, I mean obviously. <laughs> and they came to blows. When the authorities arrived, they took the duo to different police stations, but let them go without pressing any charges. Later, Bill returned to the bar and bumped into Tammany Hall associates. Their names were Jim Turner and Lewis Baker. Another fight broke out. Baker shot Bill in the chest and Turner shot him in the leg. Uh, oh. Bill was 33 years old. <laughs> So I just love how he's like, well, the most reasonable thing to do after getting arrested is go back to the same bar that I just had the the allegation. Wait, did he uh, die? Situation. Yeah, yeah. He died. Oh, he did. <laughs> oh, yeah, he died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he died. So, uh, anyways, a little bit uh, too cocky for his own good. But what a story! What a crazy story and history lesson. I mean, this was this was a good one by Spy Guy. You got to give it up for him. You got to. How it up. bold do you have to be, like you said, Sam, to go back to the same bar after you just got in a fight? How bold, or how stubborn, or how dumb? How all three? <laughs> Maybe more, all of them. More than one can be true, right? Uh, but anyways, so that's uh, Bill the Butcher, which I've told you this before, Brandon. I'll continue to say it. My favorite part of this podcast, if I have to pick one, is the nicknames. I mean, just uh -oh. <laughs> you gotta love them. <laughs> That's there was like th there was I mean two in there, but you could argue he may have killed someone along the way. So three, three nicknames, mm -hmm. reasons for the nickname. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. He definitely earned earned this one <laughs> without a doubt. Um, well, folks, send us email at do you know the mob or do you know the mob at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. 
should we do a live show sometime? So tell us what you think, and also if you would be there. Uh, location, TBD, but more than likely Johnson City, Tennessee. So little Chicago, right, Brandon? Little Chicago? <laughs> little Chicago. Not the actual, like, tattoo place. I'm just saying the nickname of John C. I mean, I guess we could do it there, but... <laughs> yeah, the nickname of the town. Person comes to our show and gets a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know the mob tattoo. <laughs> oh, man. Well, folks, there you have it. Of Do you know the mob? I'm your co-host, Sam Bren. And this is Brandon Ellis. Signing off.